so. Well, that's a real good start. Why do all hang-ups come my way? Honey, even if you're queer or impotent, you're paying the price I charge just the same. Don't ever say that to me! I'll kill you, bitch! I'll kill you! I'll kill you! So, a word of advice, if you want to be spared, don't try to recall who you've seen wearing that cooler, or else the colors red and black could mean for you what they meant to your friend. Who is this speaking? Hello? Hello? Who's calling? Answer me. Torso! Tor tor torso! Come on, you need to relax. Let me help you too. No, Jane, I remember it so well. Stefano was really wearing that scarf and he didn't ever wear it again. What have you got against that boy? He's so strange, so violent, he frightens me. And then... Then what? Jane, you won't tell anyone, will you? Of course I won't. Surely you're not afraid of me, too. Oh, no, Jane, but I received this phone call from the killer, and he threatened to kill me, too, if I told anyone who it was that I'd seen wearing that scarf. Torso! <laughs> I was looking for Stefano Vance. Excuse me. Senior Vance's bed was unoccupied last night. I don't know if he's in town. Maybe I? Torso. Good night, Jane. Went the lights off? You can turn the big one off. I'm going out like a light, too. <laughs> night. Night. Jane, don't look at me like that. I had to do it. I had to, Jane. I had to. They were only dolls. Stupid dolls made out of flesh and blood. Everything would have been different with you. It was chance and necessity, remember? In me, they're monstrously inverted. It was chance that drove me to the necessity to kill dolls. I'm a torso! Torso! Hi, people. This is Johnny, uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice from Stage Fright, and you are listening to the Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to this Deary Continues, episode 162. And this time we're heading back to Italy for the strange case of the torso. Uh, Sergio Martino's brutal and brutally entertaining Giallo from 1973. And apologies if I'm sounding a little echoey, but I am recording in an empty room, which sounds like a Giallo title, doesn't it? But um, um, because it's ahead of our move abroad, so I literally it's me, the laptop, and the microphone in an empty room. So anyway, hopefully it sounds appropriately spooky. But um, uh, thanks for joining us again, and as ever, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, um, Eric. How are you doing? I'm a torso, <laughs> but yeah. but with the head and shit. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, well, that was probably uh, Joseph's line, wasn't it? Was that your line, Joseph? Oh, I was just going to say torso. <laughs> What's the name of the movie again? <laughs> torso. <laughs> what about you, Nathan? What have you got to add? Um, I have a torso. There you go. Well, thank wow. you. Is that your new single? Actually, um, I'm surprised that Joseph didn't include um, the uh, scene from the Ghost Ship musical where that woman sings, I am a torso. Mm, yeah, I forgot all about that because oh. she's quite a character. I thought you said a ghost shit. Oh, but ghost ship. <laughs> no, do you remember ghost you, ship? Is that the one with the um, the liner where everyone gets chopped in half by yeah, cables? Yeah, the scene that's probably the only one I remember from the movie. Yeah, but um, yeah, there was a musical off, 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 off Broadway. Okay, 
<laughs> Nathan, based, I think based our ship like is coming in. Based on the like 2002 movie. Yeah, but yes, it was a prank. Yeah. It was, they made it was these produced by things. Joel Silver. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Jamie Kennedy experiment reference you probably oh. wouldn't get over there. No, yeah. no. Are you um, in mourning today? Although, well, I say I explain. Um, but it's just, the morning over here. No, but in mourning as in like um, because of um, Ash versus Evil Dead has been cancelled. Oh. Although, yeah, I kind of saw that coming though, because more people downloaded it than they did watch it on Stars. The problem is that yeah, I hate Stars. That. That, the The problem is that Stars is a very difficult channel to get in the United States, and they had taken taken the show off of some cable networks because some cable networks wouldn't pay for Stars. It just had a very bumpy, mm. a very bumpy road, and just didn't really get much of a chance. It belongs on something like Netflix. If, well, wonder, it might honest. get picked up by Netflix, perhaps. That's yeah, sometimes happens. But of course, this just to explain or put it into context, um, this will probably sound like very old news. But we are, as I am moving in the next few days, we are sort of pre-recording some shows, so we can, we've got content for you, lovely listeners out there, uh, throughout the month of May. So um, if yeah, so it's one of our time travel shows. So excuse any outdated mentions of um, and talking of which. Uh, let's catch up on what we've been watching recently. Have you guys had a chance to watch anything of note, uh, Joseph? Uh, the only thing I've seen lately, um, I think most of most of us have seen it. Maybe not Eric, but uh, I saw the A Quiet Place. Hmm. Um, have you seen that yet, Eric? I have not. No, I haven't had a chance. Okay. I well, do want to a, see it, but I'll probably wait till it comes out on Blu-ray. Yeah. It's a very, very new movie, so I'm going to just tread very lightly here. Uh, basically, sometime in the future, not too far into the future, um, mankind has been pretty much er- not necessarily eradicated, but dwindled in numbers by a, an alien invasion. And these aliens uh, are blind and they hunt by sound. And it focuses on this family who basically... Uh, her, who are trying to avoid the uh, the alien creatures from being killed? And, you know, it's one of those movies. Um, this movie's been getting a lot of hype. Uh, I I liked it, but I didn't think it was. It's it's kind of like Get Out, like it's being overhyped. Uh, so I don't think it's as good as the hype. Plus, I found um I found the characters were just extremely stupid just in order to kind of service the the plot, which was already dumb. dumb. I mean, I, I, I had a lot of uh, like, oh, come on now. And I typically don't do that with movies that like like when characters like say trip in the woods and fall. I don't really fault them for that because it's like a heat of the moment thing. But like these characters have had like years or like a year or more dealing with this alien invasion. So they know you know what to do and what not to do and it just seems like they do everything wrong um and the biggest one is probably you know perpetuation of the species and that's all i'll say i mean it's a it's a great you know uh, movie as far as like um sound design which is kind of ironic considering most of the movie is quiet and it looks great i just i was just i could not get into it because of the characters it just really bugged me some of the stuff they did um but I mean, I would give it, you know, a marginal, a marginal recommendation just to say, hey, yeah, see it once. It's it's unique, I guess. But um, I was just a little, 
a little underwhelmed, if I'm honest. Okay. Oh, that was an echoey cough. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a dry cough at the moment. But, um, okay, well, I've, I've seen it. Um, but, Nathan, you've seen it as well. What were your thoughts? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so good, and it was so um, tense and and everything. Now, I just tried to ignore the hype because I, I know that nothing can kill a decent horror film quite like hype can. Um, so I just, you know, pretty much ignored the hype and just tried to go in, you know, without, you know, uh, already expecting a masterpiece. Because, I mean, this movie's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but I just thought it was a really fun time at the movies. The audience was really into it. They were screaming at the right moments, um, you know, and then there, there's some really effective uh, sequences in it as well that I really liked. So, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I'd give it a pretty high recommendation. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I thought it was um, it was probably didn't live quite up to the hype, but I thought it was very effective for what it was doing. And surprisingly, actually, the uh, audience I saw it with were very respectful as well. It's and if you do get a chance, Eric, I think it's a film to see in the cinema. If you mm. get a chance, if you do get a chance, well, yeah, I just hear reports that um, you really, really need the audience to be quiet, otherwise, um, it's going to quite annoy you. Because I hear that there's like just the nature <laughs> of the plot is that it's it's very, very quiet soundtrack. Yes. Mm. So if people are on their iPhones or rustling or chat or whispering to each other, you're going to pick up every noise. Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm. I suppose it's a bit of a, you know, um, luck of the draw, really, with audiences. Yeah. But well, mm. well, the, when I saw it, I can I guess you go and see it later in the... Because I think it's a 15, isn't it? So mm. the less chance you've got of annoying teenagers. But then, of course, I think it's kind of... It's funny, actually, before the film, they've got, like, an advert, and it's showing people... It's actually telling people to shut up. Um, and it's telling people, you know, to eat popcorn quietly, not check their phones, and not talk, um, sort of based on the movie. So, but <laughs> I'd, I'd, it's worth seeing if you get a chance. Um, it's definitely worth worth seeing because we were going to go and see. Um, uh, it's either that or Ghost Stories, which is out, but I haven't seen that yet. We did try and see that in London a few uh, last weekend, but it was sold out. So we're going to try and see that in the next few days, hopefully. Mm. So, um, anything else, Joseph? Um, no, I think that's it this week. I, that's all I can really remember. Okay, thank you very much. What about you, Nathan? Um, I went and saw Truth or Dare. Okay. Mm. The um, new movie about the group of friends that um, are cursed and they have to play this game of Truth or Dare. And, of course, the truths and the dares that they're challenged to do are, you know, stuff that's going to break up friendships and, and all that drama, which I actually like that drama. You know, I thought, I thought that was fun. Mm. Um, if I had a complaint about – and one thing I'll say right before I, I say any of that is that this movie's getting panned by, like, critics and fans alike. It's got, like, a – a four out of 10 or something on the IMDb. And it's not that bad at all. I don't know what people were expecting because to me, if you've seen the trailer, you pretty much, you know, that, that's what you get with the movie. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, I'm, it's, it's not like a misleading trailer or anything. Um, I think my major gripe with it was that it's an hour and 43 minutes. And that's a little too long for this plot line. I just don't think it can, you know, sustain itself for that long of amount of time. Um, 90 minutes or under would have better served the movie, but um, it's still really fun and entertaining just watching, you know, them have to do their, 
their truce or their dares. And, and it's, it was very amusing in some spots because there's several little, you know, I guess they're, they're little twists are supposed to be surprises in the film, but like they fail to surprise anybody because several of them, I could not believe it took the characters this, that long to figure it out. But when I, in my opinion, it's something that I probably would have thought of, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say when I'm sitting in the theater, just watching it, but it just seemed like a very obvious, uh, you know, some of the like little twists were very obvious to me. But I mean, again, like it was just a fun time at the movies. I mean, everything about it was just fun and it was ridiculous. And some parts actually were unintentionally hilarious. And you guys know that I love that. <laughs> I love when movies are played so serious, but they're just very silly. If you think about it, it's just ridiculous. But no, I mean, I recommend it. I think that uh, it's it's fun. I mean, if, if you don't want to pay theater prices and I'll admit you know, I'm a little iffy on recommending people pay theater prices for it. I mean, I definitely think it's worth watching when it's released digitally. Okay. I think they're kind of people are sort of uh, judging everything by get out, aren't they? They sort of Yeah, I think so make. too. And I'm like, you gotta, you know, I mean, it's like people that try to hold up something like splatter university to have the standards of Halloween. I'm like, that's not, you know, no, you can't do that. Mm. Some movies are just bad, but they're so entertaining. Mm. Well, talking talking of um, Blumhouse, uh, and again, this is going to be very old news by the time you um, you get to listen to this. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the teaser poster for Halloween two thousand eighteen? Oh well, well for me, it reminded me too much of the mask uh, that Michael wears in the Rob Zombie remakes. So it, it was putting that image in my head, and I didn't want that image in my head. So I didn't like the poster. No. <laughs> Someone on my friends list, I can't remember who, um, said Michael on the mask looks so sad. Maybe he saw a rough cut of the film. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still have, I'm still looking forward to the movie because it's got yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and it's got no Rob Zombie input at all. So yeah. I might, I, I'm still going to go see it definitely. But the teaser typically the, uh, typically the posters are made by a you know marketing team. They, they have really no, nothing to do with the film. So hopefully that's just the case. Here. What do you I actually think? didn't mind the poster, to be honest. I mean, it's um, I, I prefer, you know, the eight the classic 80s artwork um, in all honesty. But I mean, it, it, for a first poster, it was it was fine. I just wanted to see like, you know, a, a scene of Haddonfield and Michael's above it with a giant butcher's knife and there's people running in the foreground of the image. I'm just wanting 80s artwork. But this poster drawn. was fine. What did you say, Eric? I said all hand drawn as well, in that Asian yeah. style. Yeah, it's so much fun. I was I was so disappointed. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but when uh, Scream now, now I love Scream and all the you know movies that followed it you know in that slasher wave but i always hated their artwork because it was just yep. like the the character staring uh you know it's just it was it wasn't inventive to me now that artwork i didn't like mm. i think i didn't i didn't have a problem i think i can see what they're trying to do with the mask um but i think it was more his like michael myers is looking sort of almost wistful and a bit sad melancholy which mm. i didn't really think is the right kind of look for for them you know for that unless they are going for like uh, maybe michael myers like moping around like robert smith in the garden and sort of oh no <laughs> no <laughs> maybe he's sad because it's taken him 40 years to find laurie hmm. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting it only, to see. I've it only always, took it only yeah. took Jason a few weeks to find Alice. Well, exactly. Four no, years, a long time <laughs> for her to dream that he found her. <laughs> well, we'll see. Did the you not of- see Alice went to Camp Crystal Lake this year? She did. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Adrian King. Yeah. Well, the proof will be in the pudding, won't it? So we will have to wait until October. It'll be interesting to see what the first um, uh, cut is like yeah. for the trailer. So, uh, but anyway, um, who haven't we asked? I think. Sorry, I've lost track of who we. Me. Uh, it was. Yes. Uh, we had to ask Nathan if he's seen anything else yeah, first. Have you seen anything else? Mm, yes, that was a good idea, but no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, Eric? Well, yeah, because I'm living in the past, I've uh, caught up with a film from 1981 that I actually hadn't heard of. You may have seen this one, Justin. It's a British um, supernatural thriller from 81 called The Appointment, starring Edward Woodward. Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm not sure if I've seen it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, so I didn't really know anything about the film going into it, which was, uh, so I was pleasantly surprised. It it opens with... um, it opens and closes with two stunning sequences, I have to say, and its midsection is more slow and meandering. The setup is that this is a young schoolgirl who we learn in a voiceover is a uh, child violin prodigy at this local school, and we see her being dragged into the woods by an invisible force at the start of the film. It cuts down to three years later where Joanne, who's the girl who's taken her place in the orchestra as the violin player, she's throwing a strop Sally style um, because her father won't be there for her big recital. He has to go out of town on business. So the rest of the film is Edward Woodward as the father having all these weird dream sequences, uh, imagining he's in a car crash and imagining he's been chased by a pack of wild dogs and stuff. And it kind of treads water for a while. But then the finale is extremely well um uh, filmed and edited and put together it, it was actually quite stunning um, and I think for the opening and for the closing it's well worth uh, sitting through the film and there's a, there's an omen style death halfway through as well that uh, involving a poor unfortunate car mechanic um, so it's it's very it's quite low key but I, I, I would recommend it and it was I was pleasantly surprised and it was one of those films where um, it's one of the few films of recent days where you just, you don't know anything about it and you go into it and uh, you're pleasant because it's, it's very difficult these days to watch if sit down and watch a film where you don't know anything about it uh, just because of the internet, I suppose. But uh, in this case, I, I, uh, um, thumbs up for the appointment. Not sure if it's um, uh, legally available because uh, um, I acquired it from a download site that I won't mention, but um, am I allowed to say that Justin? I just have. We well, just have. See you in prison. Yes, yeah, see you in prison. <laughs> we'll visit you. Don't drop the soap. Well, you probably would drop yeah. the soap, wouldn't you? Every given opportunity. No. 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 I'm not that type of jerk bird. I'm not married. Because <laughs> um, you have to be married to do things like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure you'd have lots of husbands in prison. <laughs> yeah, so big thumbs up, uh, especially for the start and the end. Um, uh, the the middle, if only it had been a bit more action-packed, uh, it would have been a cl- 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 classic, I think. Mm, okay, all right. Well, I shall look out for that on a reputable site. Okay, um, well, I've seen... I've well, I've been uh, spent much of the last week or so packing and getting stuff, so I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of stuff. But what I have caught up with or been catching up with is a series I've been meant, meaning to watch for a long time on Netflix, which was Bates Motel, which um, I think... Am I right in thinking that you enjoyed that, Joseph? Yeah, um, it starts off a little ropey, but it just gets really dark, darker and darker as it goes along. Um, I... I wasn't enamored with the 
the way it ended. But uh, overall, I, I had a lot of fun, you know, watching it all the way through. I thought it was pretty consistent for a show that went on for five seasons. So uh, I definitely recommend it. And I think the, the actor who played the young Norman, uh, I think his name's Freddie Highmore. I think he does a yeah. very good job of kind of channeling the uh, uh, Anthony Perkins yet at the same time, kind of giving him his own little spin on the character. Uh, I definitely recommend it. It's a, it's a fun, dark, um, uh, kind of atmospheric little show. It's sleazy and cheesy at the same time. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm about halfway through the second series season, um, and I really like it. Vera Farminga is really good in it as Norma Bates. I think yeah. it's really, really funny. Um, so it's actually surprisingly funny as well, without being kind of a tipping over into kind of like farce. But um, have you guys, um, Nathan and Eric, have you seen it? I think I watched the first episode and it did look quite good, but just it's the time investment in the in yeah. all these series that I just um yeah. there's just there's too many of them. Fair enough. Um what Eric said is exactly how I feel. Okay. It it looks good, but it's just I'm watching so many shows right now, it's just hard to fit a new one in. <laughs> That's going into the show. <laughs> yeah, it fits it in your alley. Why are y'all so dirty? <laughs> You know what? One day I'm going to throw y'all off a cliff like silly dolls. <laughs> oh, oh, well, made out of, of flesh and blood. <laughs> talking of which. Well, um, uh, well, you're only going to get to see my panties if you do go get the doll for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here, on that, after that bombshell, here is the trailer for Torso. Enter the bizarre world of the psychosexual mind. From Carlo Patti, who brought you Dr. Zhivago, now... <laughs> Torso. 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 It saturates the screen with terror. Torso. Rated R. A series of sex murders shock a college campus, and four beautiful young girlfriends head for the safety of an isolated country, country villa. But as they succumb to their own erotic desires, their weekend of pleasure becomes a vacation to dismember at the hands and blade of the lecherous maniac. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, Torso's one of my favorite Sergio Martino Jallos, uh, probably one of my favorite Jallos, or at least in my top ten. Um, I think the film always felt more like a standard sort of proto-slasher to me, and uh you know, at least more so than it does your typical, you know, Jalo, and I think that's why it gets such high marks. Because you know, while I do love a lot of Jalo films, I kind of find my interest can uh, wane a little bit with some of them. Uh, Torso to me just feels, you know, more like your typical uh, people go into the woods, people get stalked and killed, you know, scenario. You know, before it became popular, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. It has gorgeous cinematography and the locations are just excellent and my goodness some of the probably the probably a selection of the most beautiful women of all time in any film i've ever seen i mean these women are just like you know shaped from like perfect clay i mean they're just gorgeous to look at and i love the last third of the film that turns into this sort of uh, extended chase scene sort of a cat and mouse scenario with a with the victim trapped and the killer 
um, after her. The idea of the, of the story set around you know broken dolls and scarves and generally girls trying to relax while being stalked by a killer in a ski mask is you know both cheesy and sleazy enough to keep you uh, you know more than entertained. I'd say um, it's just a very very fun movie, and uh, you know I'm not trying to knock uh, you know the shallow genre. I just think uh, for for my money, Torso has more of that kind of fun factor that, that a lot of these films kind of uh, are lacking. Um, I do have a lot more to say, but for now, I'm going to turn this over to Eric. Hello. Sorry, sorry, I had muted my microphone and then I'd lost my no. mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would completely agree. Um, Jallo is sort of at the sort of if you would say fun end of Jallo, it it tends not to wallow in the mystery and uh, as much as other Jallos do, and it gets, you know, it it it's it's very closer to a slasher film than than any other Jallo that we've covered, I suppose. And um, the opening half is probably you know the more conventional style of Jallo with you know college girls and guys being off by the black glove killer, but that final half hour, as you say, is uh, for me that's my favorite part of the film. Um, uh, where Susie Kendall is trying to make it look like there's nobody else in the house. It reminded me of that, that sequence. It's earlier on in Switchblade Romance where the, uh, well, the final girl, I suppose you'd call her, um, is, is trying to evade the killer and make it look like there's nobody in the room. So she's like t- making the bed and putting away all her clothes and all that type of thing. And it's, it's really quite tense. Uh, I also love this that stunning sequence in the uh, it's set at dawn, I think, and where the girl is walking through the marshland in the woods and that and she's stalked by the the killer and the the you call it a ski mask is it is, that what, is it a ski mask or is it an improvised balaclava i'm not sure um but he does look he looks um suitably sinister uh the the killers and jallos don't usually tend to wear masks um uh, i suppose this is what makes this film more slasher like is that we do finally have a masked killer here um uh, I also love the scene where Susie Kendall is trying to retrieve the key from the door, un, you know, and unknown to her, the killer's at the other side of the door, who's now well aware of the fact that uh, she's in the room. Um, I, it is kind of a, a, a cheesy moment where her presence in the house is given away by some just idle gossiping villagers that he manages to overhear. Uh, but, uh, you know, plots aren't really... Um, what we care about that much in slashers, are they? Uh, I also like the appearance of the J&B whiskey from time to time. Um, you know, it gets prominent close up in several scenes, making us know that this is Italian in case we didn't know. Um, yeah, so I suppose the fact that it's more slasher-like and it's not as um, caught up in a twisted, a twisty, turny, complex plot like other Jallos are that make it more slasher-like and which probably makes me find it more appealing. Um in terms of Sergio Martino's back catalogue, I would much prefer this to All the Colours of the Dark, which I know some people rate as his um, masterpiece of the genre. Uh, we covered it fairly recently, and I think certainly most of us, I think, were a bit iffy on it. We thought it was okay, but maybe a bit too arty for our tastes. Uh, this one, to me, is his masterpiece, maybe along with The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, which I also love. Um, so, yeah, huge thumbs up for Torso. Love it. Okay, uh, let's see, Nathan. A uh, huge thumbs up for Torso. Um, I agree with Eric. Um, I think that Torso is excellent. It is absolutely my favorite Jello of all time. Uh, I find it very entertaining, um, and I absolutely love that there's a, a lack of police investigation in this movie, and uh, 
I love that because I just that always kind of weighs films down for me a little bit. I'm just I'm not that interested in that aspect uh, film wise. But I mean, I, I like the scenes that y'all were mentioning already, like the the key scene with the door. I thought that was excellent when you see the gloved hand come down and put the key on the newspaper. I thought that was just awesome. Um, I love the fight scene at the end between um, the killer and um, Roberto. I think his name is. Um, like they have their the, this big fight scene, and it's it's really it's kind of funny the way it starts because. You know, Roberto's working, uh, walking, um, and it's kind of a close-up of him. And then out of nowhere, you just see this foot fly out and kick him in the face. It's just, it's a little startling. But um, if I had a complaint about Torso, and it's not really a complaint. It's mainly just, I wanted just a little more of the night he had killed, the killer killed like the three girls at the villa. Because really, you just see him um, standing at the doorway and all the girls kind of screaming and then it just cuts to the next morning. Um, I mean, I, I, I would like to have seen like some slasher action that night, but I get it's not necessarily a slasher movie. So I understand that. Um, and, and the cat and mouse stuff with Susie Kendall and the killer afterwards, that's just great. Um, it, it's a, it was a very smart decision on her part to you know hide all her stuff and make it look like she was never there. Um, she did leave her slippers on the stairs, but you know, I mean, the, the killer didn't really uh, think much about that. Maybe he thought in the ensuing massacre the night before one of the other girls did that, you know, which leads me to wonder like what happened that night with the, the, the other three, like, uh, did any of them try to get away? I mean, surely they didn't all just stand there and scream till he killed them. I, I, I would imagine they t- would try to get away. Um, but we'll never know. It's one of those mysteries that I think we'll never ever fully know the answer to. Hmm. Only only you, Nathan, could ponder these small facts. Well, I suppose it's a big <laughs> fact in fairness. <laughs> well, I'm picturing like them running and trying to get out of the villa and stuff, and you know maybe one of them tried to battle him, but you know ultimately didn't succeed. I mean, there there's so many possibilities. Have you, um, have and you it makes my imagination just run wild. Well, I imagine. Have you wondered what, what you know? What happened to their families and how they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine Daniela's uncle was very upset. Mm. Her creepy <laughs> uncle who liked uh, watching her through the bathroom door. <laughs> um. But no, it's 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 a great movie. Um. I I really enjoyed it, and I've seen it many many times. Um. I love the scene with the hippies. Um, you know, they're out there expressing some free love until that's, Carol that's burns one of them. Part, parties at your house are probably like, <laughs> yeah, that's with exactly those, the way things are around with me. all those um herbal cigarettes and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's totally like parties at my house. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of people dancing around and topless women and <laughs> scary like woods and marshes that you know killers hide in. Um, but yeah, that sequence is really good too. And I thought the sequence at the beginning with the couple in the car, I thought that was very well done as well. It actually startled me when the killer jumps out of the shadows and grabs, I think her name is Flo. I think. It uh, is, yeah. Names are, aren't my strong point. Joseph's laughing. He's being childish. Wow. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, huge thumbs up for me. Fantastic movie. Um, I cannot say enough good things about it. So there you have it. 
Okay, Justin, is torso up your alley? Well, it is. And I was going to say, I'm sure it isn't the first time um, Eric and Nathan had thumbs up their torso. But um, <laughs> someone had to say it. Uh, yeah, I love I loved Torso. I think it's um, it's a great movie. It's very, it's very different to his earlier Jalo. It kind of feels like it's somebody, it's kind of a director making a film that he's, it's almost like a punk rock Jalo in so much that it's, he's amping up the nihilism in the film um but it doesn't make it particularly mean-spirited and so much there's I, I was struck this time actually watching it about how kind of unpleasant all the men apart from uh hunky luke Miranda as the um the doctor the good doctor who comes to rescue at the end although of course he's painted he's the first half of the movie it's just him looking shifty like all of the other actors but you've got all of them all of them are, are bad aren't they you've got john richardson who's the um who turns well well you know spoiler alert but he turns out to be the killer who is the one that's driven mad by the fact that his brother died reaching for a doll um for his little girl because they're going to limp her panties so that drove him mad and then you have lots of not particularly convincing i kind of guess in when you see it in the blu-ray with the blu-ray looks amazing and um as joseph said the cinematography is is fantastic but again uh, i remember seeing this on vhs and i think the special effects although they were cut quite a lot but um uh what you see is is quite hokey looking now i kind of guess in in super high definition but still still great but you've got all of the other men in it you've got stefano and all the red herrings who are all kind of um unpleasant men who just constantly trying to uh, either get off or beat up the women or you know um, and then all the townsmen are walking around um, and there's that quite uncomfortable scene uh, where you've got the, um, the 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 black girl which was uh, what's her name is uh, Carla Brait who um, was also in case of the bloody iris um, but when she's uh, lounging on the car and they're all standing around staring at her and like gulping at her being sort of having a miniskirt and being black basically and then one of them says something like i think i can see the source of the nile um looking up her skirt it's kind of bizarre and it's almost maybe a comment on the difference between um the kind of urban sophistication of um perugia where the college they were and this kind of um kind of um pokey town where they're all kind of slightly boss-eyed and a bit sort of a bit leery and sort of leering at everyone uh, uh, so that was that was good, but the the uh, I mean it's got it's kind of tale of two halves, isn't it? I mean Susie Kendall is kind of um, is is really good uh, in her. I think it's one of her last roles, or certainly last role as far as kind of like in you know, a jalo, or because she was in um, obviously case um, sorry um, a bird with crystal plumage. Uh, most famously uh, about three years before this, but also it was in Assault, which was like the British shallow uh, type of type of shallow, um, uh, either the year before or the sort of round about this time. Um, but she she's really effective, I think, as kind of a she really portrays that kind of horror, you know, fear. Although it's again was interesting that, that toward the end, you know, you've got like the fight between the two men, and you're not quite sure which one is going to come back. And then there's this kind of clever little trick at the end where. She sees the killer coming back um, uh, after one somebody's fallen off a cliff, and um, she kind of blinks her eyes, and it's actually the the heroes walking back up to her. But um, it's not progressive enough, and so much you get to like four years, well, five years later with with Halloween, and you've got Jamie Lee Curtis fighting Michael Myers. Um, uh, although, of course, she in the end she gets saved by Donna Pleasance, I kind of guess. But in this film, it's kind of it, it, you've still got her essentially being rescued by the you know the dashing hero 
Um, but all in all, it's it's great. I mean, it's kind of it got a sly sense of humour as well to it. I mean, it's I was watching the I was watching it with the subtitles um, on English subtitles because some of the some bits are in Italian and they had the rest of it all. So, but a lot of the subtitles didn't seem to match up to what was actually being said on the screen, which was quite interesting. But there was the the bit with the there's probably the only um, slasher horror movie where um, bodies are discovered because somebody went to have a shit. Um, did you catch that? I don't know if it was in there. <laughs> yeah, the... I did, yeah. <laughs> so, um, which I thought was quite bizarre. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's great, fun movie. I think it was um, it, it, with this and uh, Mario Barber's Twitch of the Death Nerve, uh, the most kind of slasherific. And obviously we'll talk a bit more when we get into background about what influence it may have had on the, the American slasher movie. Um, but yeah, thumbs up for me as well. I think it's a, it's a it's a great movie. It looks the Blu-ray looks incredible. It looks you know it looks so good. Um, is so that we, the Shameless release? Yeah, it? yeah. So if you haven't picked that up or the the yeah, I, so I, was, I have the Anchor Bay DVD, so mm. um, it is looking a bit washed out and pale in comparison. It looked amazing at the time, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely worth picking up. It's a fantastic um, mm. Blu-ray. So and I think it's it was out on Blue Underground. I think in the states. I might be wrong. Mm. Yeah, but. Um, uh, yeah, great, great movie. Um, and but it's very much a kind of I can say it's a bit of a watershed movie as far as kind of the um, uh, the giallo was definitely waning as a uh, as a genre in Italian cinema at that time. In so much it was kind of past its heyday of the um, early seventies. Um, although this was not only nineteen seventy three, but uh, it kind of it kind of heralds kind of a new a new age of kind of the, the slasher movie, the proto slasher. Um, but one thing I was going to mention was that when you, one of the things that I struck me again watching this was that you've got uh, that scene where Stefano's at the door and they open the door in the villa and he falls down and he's been stabbed in the back uh, and the killer's behind him and walks in and then it cuts to, you know, the next day. And I'd, I'd like it, like Nathan, I was thinking it would have been fun to have had like extended, like a Benny Hill style chase scene around the house with all the girls running around being chased by by the killer but um that wasn't to be but it was a film i don't know if you guys have ever seen um uh, a film called the corruption of chris miller which is a kind of spanish like giallo type sl- proto slasher uh from the same year 1973 which has very similar kind of um there's a scene in it where what actually what you see in this film with like the killer at the door and coming in actually then goes through quite a lot of the movie is them um him killing people in the house uh, dressed like um, uh, in a rain slicker, uh, sort of like kind of like a proto kind of um, uh, killer from I know we did last summer. But have you, any of you seen Corruption of Kiss? I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Mm. It's definitely worth uh, tracking down. Mm. It's kind of yeah, it's an interesting movie. Uh, had quite a few similarities to this, I thought. But uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a great film. It's kind of if you haven't seen Torso, then you should definitely give it a whirl. I like how um, in a typical slasher film, usually the 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 thing that sets off the killer psychosis is like uh, my girlfriend or my my mother or my father was murdered when I was a child. And I love in in, in these Italian films, it's always some just extremely kind of far fetched scenario. Like in here, the the, the killer is basically he hates women because uh, of a childhood incident with a doll next to a cliff, and uh, the girl would show the the kid her crotch or whatever if if he retrieved the doll it's just so it's so far-fetched and outlandish and yet it kind of just ties in with everything yep. just yeah. just just so crazy i love i love the the killer psychosis here and um, how he's basically i mean spoiler alert we have to talk about this a lot um basically he thinks all women are whores and uh 
he's blackmailed into an affair or like a three way. And yet he, he willingly goes into this and it's basically his own doing. And it's just, I don't know. I found a lot of amusement with the, the killer when he basically goes on his rant about why he's killing all these people. It's just, I, I, I laughed quite a bit, but I loved it all the same. Well, it's kind of, I like, um, I, sorry, I was going to say, I love, I love scenes where people are like, um, skipping jauntily and then fall downstairs in movies, which happens to Susie <laughs> Kendall in this. Um, it's just, it's just hilarious. It reminded me of this. We were watching, what was that Irish movie? We were, Nails, was it? Yeah. Where, yeah. where somebody falls downstairs as well. Uh, I don't know. There's just something hilarious about people falling downstairs. I know it's nothing to laugh at really, but in the, and I thought it was um, a kind of a hilarious moment in this where Susie Kendall's all like, Hey guys, let me just, ah! <laughs> You funny. think that's funny? I've fallen downstairs before. Oh, I'm sorry, Nathan. I feel bad now. Oh, I feel bad. It's, it's a real shame that we didn't have a camera to hand. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little kid, and it was my grandmother's place. I still got the scar on my head where I hit. Oh, so that's what happened. Yeah, it's, it's why I'm so brain damaged now. <laughs> but lovably so. Yes, of course. Of course. Um I was going to mention just like we're talking about the killer John Richardson, and I think he's going to he goes hilariously over the top. I mean, it's quite a quite a brave performance. I can guess that he's really chewing the scenery, but it's in complete contrast to him being as wooden as a plank in Eyeball. Because you remember <laughs> he's the he's a love interest in Eyeball, isn't he? And he's yeah. just kind of absolutely completely stony faced and not even an arched eyebrow in Eyeball. Um, but in Tulsa, he goes uh, you know way way over the top. So, um, what should we do? Look at some background. Who would um, who would like to go first? Nathan. Mm, Nathan. Nathan. Yes. Yes. Um, during production, none of the cast was told who the killer was, and because of the high amount of red herrings in the film, many of the actresses were convinced it was someone else doing all the murders. The film was highly censored in English language countries. Because of this, parts of the English dub do not exist for the film. On uncut DVDs, these scenes are played with their original Italian language track and English subtitles. Susie Kendall, who was British, was dubbed by American voice artist Susan Spafford. The fuzz tone guitar instrumental featured in the American theatrical trailer is a song called Hippie by Alan Parker. And Alan Parker, you may remember, was did the music for Jaws 3D. Of course. Um... The trivia items below may give away important plot points. Um, <laughs> Is this IMDb or Wikipedia? Neither. Neither. Yeah. Don't you look it up. Don't you look yeah. it up. An alternate ending was shot with the killer surviving in the end. The number of victims in the film is nine. And Susie Kendall was also in The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. <laughs> <laughs> what's so funny she was <laughs> well thank you thank you imdb um uh, anything else nathan um and uh, the alternate title is the bodies show signs of carnal violence because they do mm. and it makes sense <laughs> well thank you thank you for that insightful uh, research um Eric, have you got anything else? Okay, well, as Nathan was saying, the original title in Italian was I corpi presentano tracchi di violenza carnale, uh, which translates as bodies presented, the bodies present traces of carnal violence. And carnal violence was indeed uh, an abbreviated English language title for the film. Um, it was cut for its original cinema release in the UK when it was rated X in the early 70s. It was first issued on the Ivor Film Services uh, video label in the R-rated US cut. It was a more complete version 
uh, uh, sorry, a more complete version then came out in the 90s under the Vipco label. Uh, and then in 2000, the version I was uh, using to watch uh, this week it, it came out on DVD from Anchor Bay. Um, and it adds, it's slightly different, probably, I think, to the one you watched, Justin, because apparently uh, on the version I'm watching, the voiceover of the lecture at the start, the art history lecture takes place over the opening credits, um, which I don't think happens in the um, in the, the version you're watching. Um, Sergio Martino says that some of the events of the film were inspired by a true crime and that the third act was inspired by the film See No Evil, which is one I haven't seen. It's, it's a 1971 film directed by Richard Fleischer and starring Mia Farrow, uh, where she plays a blind woman trying to evade capture from a maniac in a house where all the other all the other occupants have been murdered. So it sounds quite good. Has anyone seen See No Evil? Yeah, it was Mia Farrow. It's the Mia Farrow one. Yeah, many mm. years ago. Yeah. Any good? Uh, yeah. It's kind of, um, yeah, it's quite a good little suspense film, mm. sort of relatively gentle for, you know, uh, compared to now. But yeah, mm. well worth seeing. Um, this was possibly the last of um, Sergio Martino's golden era Jallo. Uh, this was uh, f- let's see one two three five fifth in line after Strange Vice of Mrs Ward, Case of the Scorpion's Tail, All the Colors of the Dark, and Your Vice is a locked room and only I have the key. Um, Susie Kendall was hired because of her impressive turn in Bird with the Crystal Plumage. (laughs) (laughs) As you said, she had been a busy actress in the 60s and 70s, but her last credit on IMDb is uh, 1977. So in terms of horror and giallo, I think after this she went on to appear in um, Umberto Lenzi's Spasmo, and I think that was the end of her sort of horror career. Tina Omont, who, uh, oh, remind me of the character's name, She's the she's the niece uh, who goes to the Daniela? villa. Danny. Daniela, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she had a troubled life. Uh, Sergio Martino recalls noticing she had drug problems on the set, and indeed, in 1978, she was sentenced to three years in prison for drug smuggling, uh, but she only served nine months of the sentence actually in jail. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, John Richardson was in Eyeball. He also went on to be in The Church, uh, and he was almost James Bond because he was considered for the role of 007 when they were recasting for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, and he is married to British, or he was married to British uh, horror and sci-fi actress Martine Beswick, uh, who he co-starred with in One Million Years BC. And uh, that's all the background I have. Okay. Over to you, Joseph. <clears throat> well, I think you've read you and Nathan have read everything I have. So, uh, Justin, what do you have? Um, I've got a few bits. Uh, well, the film was released. Um, it was kind of played the kind of grindhouse circuit and uh, in the United States, uh, and was um, sort of was, people have said. That, well, I mean, imagine it was probably quite influential on the kind of uh, kind of the proto slashers. Uh, and I read, read one review of it and was sort of saying about the similarities between uh, this and The Town That Dreaded Sundown um, and how the, the look of the film and sort of... Uh, so you can definitely see how this and mm. um, uh, Twitch of the Deaf Nerve, again, that played thing, and so did Eyeball, uh, you know, and quite a few of the Jali d- did, and certainly the Argento ones did, so how they... Um, had an influence and I know John Carpenter said that uh, Dario Argento's films had an influence on him before he made Halloween so it's kind of interesting to sort of trace that um, round the 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 murder um, that you um, you mentioned uh, the true life murder uh, was the, um, uh, the 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 monster of Florence who um, was kind of like a son of Sam style killer uh, and murders went on from 1968 um, to 1985. 
And I don't think um, I, I'm not sure if he was actually ever killed, uh, ever caught, or there was some debate about the person who was caught wasn't the person who did it. But it's somebody who would prey on couples in cars and kill them and cut out their cut off their genitals, basically. So it's not something exactly happens to this, but certainly psychosexual kind of thing. You can see how that would have been. It would have been big headline news in in Italy um, at the time. Um, another kind of true crime link to this, although sort of tentatively, um, um, if that's the right word, is the the, the film is set uh, in Perugia, which is the um, the Italian sort of college town, university town, uh, which was um, became infamous uh, in recent times because of the murder of um, Meredith Kircher, um, but perhaps or perhaps not by um, Amanda Knox. Uh, so that's the same town where the murders are happening in Torso, um, and then real life murders or murder happened there sort of many years later. Uh, the the only other thing I've got was just to mention I did mention about uh, Luke Miranda, who is the kind of the the kind of the hero who kind of turns up at the end. Um, he was also in the Jali um, puzzle, which I've seen, which is um, uh, from a year after this, I think, which is the one that actually um, has a chainsaw in it. So I think it was slightly either predates or kind of coincidentally kind of has a chainsaw in it along, you know, with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, he's also in the, um, the kind of the 1940s wartime set, Shallow Plot of Fear, uh, in 1977. So um, I think that's all the background I've got. So, um, Joseph, do you want to um, read out what um, listeners have said about uh, the um, torso? Sure. Um, Let's see. Stephen Taylor says, Torso is a great giallo proto-slasher hybrid. I've tracked down a number of the filming locations in Lazio and Perugia, and interestingly, to me at least, it shares a few with Lucio Fulci's Don't Torture a Duckling, namely the underpass in Torso where the double murder takes place is also where Florinda Bolcan's character succumbs to her wounds at the hands of the lynch mob and duckling, and the riverbank location used in Torso for the skinny dipping slash nudie sun bathing scene was also where the young boy is found with the fatal head wound in duckling a word of warning though for anyone who goes location hunting in italy sadly most italians have little to no knowledge of the giallo genre so when you tell them you're looking for scenes from uh, uh the bodies show traces of carnal violence i'm not about to read that italian title out which is torso's italian title and roughly translates uh, yeah 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 whatever uh they tend to run a mile so that's what steven taylor says hmm. Lincoln Lincoln Kerno says, Great Jello, have it on Blu-ray. Uh, John Jung says, It saturates me with terror. Rodney Barnett says, A simply brilliant thriller that impresses me every time I watch it. The Masked Killer is incredibly creepy, and the film is amazing in that it pulls off having so many of the most suspenseful moments happen in broad daylight. Exceptional filmmaking and some underrated performers combined for a fine movie. Christian Comer says, one of my top ten proto-slashers, some pretty suspenseful moments, especially Susie Kendall trying to evade the killer after finding her friends dead. Torsten Phil says, one of the one of my favorite uh, Jalo posters, and anything with Ed Wiget in it is worth watching. It also helps that this is a great film. Uh, Anthony O'Donnell says, Wait, such a good... Yeah, that's what Ed I was wondering. Sh- she's not in Torso. I don't think she is. I think he meant Susie Kendall. Anyway, uh, 
Anthony O'Donnell says such a good film has all the style sleaze and gore you'd want of a giallo without going too far into bad taste compared to some anyway. Superb supporting cat, uh, su- superb supporting ascot too. Who's made, who's made a Fred from Scooby-Doo joke yet. My money's on Eric. I bought this for a good friend once the first shameless release with the poor bloodied young woman on the cover and the unfortunate tagline where saws meet horrors. And when his four-year-old niece was allowed to pick a DVD, this was the one she grabbed. To make matters worse, his three-year-old nephew did the exact same thing years later and handed it to his gran. I believe, I think it's grandmother. Yeah. I blame the inviting bright yellow packaging. Mm. Don Anelli says, movie number 10 on my all-time favorite horror list. An enjoyable giallo slasher that has everything you could want. Top shelf kills gorgeous girls who can not only act but look good nude. A thrilling mystery and a tour de force finale that shows these films are capable of, of fine art when necessary. Dave Felter says, love it, but prefer Case of the Scorpion's Tale. Uh, I do not, Dave. I do not. Uh, Matt Hume says, one of the greatest Jallo films ever made. You guys should do the uncut version of uh, Jallo a Venezia. So grisly. Gary Yoon says, I loved this. One of those films you heard about long before seeing it. Pick the DVD up back when an old film appearing on DVD was still something people got excited about. I recall people talking about the sawing up of the body bit as one of the most gruesome things ever. Can't say I agree with that, but overall one of my favorite shallows. Amanda Reyes has saw it on a big screen many years ago, and it was amazing. I'm a huge fan of the soundtrack as well. Very stylish and fun with a great third act. Uh, Patrick Van Toft says, love it. Willie Greer says, that climax is indeed amazing. Yeah, it's always an amazing climax, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet Wakefield says, my go-to shallow. Silly, fun, and very rewatchable. Roger B. says, a great crossbreed between slasher and giallo, some effective gory deaths, and a great creepy atmosphere. One of the few giallo I've returned to more than a few times. Brian Hiltner says, hugely enjoyable. Seems like it's a lot of people's favorite Martino, perhaps because it's so much more like an American slasher film. Personally, it's my least favorite Martino giallo, but that final section with Susie Kendall trapped is so intense. Utter perfection. David Ladd says, my favorite Sergio Martino film. It's more of a slasher film than a giallo, but that isn't a bad thing. Matthew House, he says, pretty fantastic, especially the the final third of the film, which is incredibly tense. Uh, David Cook says, hugely enjoyable. Don Nice says, I really enjoyed it. Bob Harrison says, one of the best of the genre. Uh, Gareth Morgan says shitload of fun plays more like a slasher. So I'm a fan. Jellos can be a tad too dull with poor pacing. James Russell says not my favorite, but it's definitely a classic. Grayson Frank says first yellow I ever saw and love it. One of the best. And that's all we have on Facebook. I got a couple from Twitter here. The bitter bastard Nerdcast. I like that name. Says Torso is my favorite Sergio Martino Giallo. The final 38 minutes, I'm sorry, the final 30 minutes are very Hitchcockian, building suspense to an almost unbearable level. For me, Martino is definitely in the top three Giallo directors, along with Argento and Bava. And Sean Gamble says Torso is one of the better Giallos. It's got some great set pieces and some tense scenes, and it doesn't hurt that the female leads are all beautiful. 
And that is all the feedback I have. Thank you very, very much for everyone who's uh, written in. Um, let's just play. quite a lot. That's quite a lot. Yes, that's that's great. Let's uh, play how to get. In I have I have a bit of feedback as well. It's not me it's too. Just gen- it's just general feedback, not on the okay filming well, question. Uh, okay, well let's do let's do that then. Oh, I would. I tell you before we do that, let's. Um, uh, how about our? Uh, let's do, get our torso stuff out of the way, as it were. So, how about after the credits? Did you want to do an after the credits, Nathan? Yes. Okay. Don't press stop. Okay. At the end of this movie, a injured Susie Kendall and Roberto um, leave after the poor defenseless killer was thrown to his death. So what do we think happened afterwards? I'm thinking they went back into town to make her feel better for the deaths of her friends. He bought her several birds with crystal plumages. And I think um, it was a nice throwback to a movie she did, you know, just a year or two earlier. Very good. So Mm -hmm. there you go. I think that they, you know, they had a little fling for a while, but eventually I think they went their separate ways. Uh, but they'll always share that barn moment <laughs> when he Nathan rescued said, her. Nathan said plumage. He sounds like plumber. Yeah. <laughs> How do you pronounce it then? It's plumage. 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 Oh, well, Eric said plumage. I thought I thought we were just having a joke. <laughs> oh, 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 well. <laughs> Did you really? Th- I thought we'd, we thought we were having a joke. Did you? <laughs> Humiliation. Yeah. Plumage is something to do with testicles, I would imagine. Oh, but y'all know I don't. I mean, like, I don't speak Italian, so I don't know. But plumage, like these Italian words. Plumage is an English word. Yeah, it's an yeah. English word. <laughs> well, we'll pretend like it's not. Okay, let's pretend it's Italian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you know what plumage is. Nathan. Is it like the peacock, um, you know, the, the back of it that's got all the feathers that stick up? Yeah. Well, it's the yeah. feathers, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Fir- See, I knew what it was. Yeah. Well, okay. So. Oh, yeah. So, um, Eric, what do you think happened afterwards? Uh, yeah, as you say, Susie Kendall probably really needs cheering up. So Luke Miranda says, I've got a great idea. Kaj Gugu are playing in Rome. Why don't we go watch them in concert? And that's what they do. And she's really happy. And then she lives happily ever after listening hasn't to Kaj Gugu records. Hasn't she Getting to go enough. to a Kaj Gugu concert is, um, totally makes up for the death of all her friends. It does. It? it would. It would. It's like Daniela who? Yeah. After <laughs> it's over? The healing powers of Kaj Gugu. <laughs> Uh, Justin uh, well I was thinking that the killer he goes over the cliff and in the eye you know obviously an ironic death given that that's how his brother died when he was trying to get to the knickers and the doll but he goes to the cliff but he actually because he kind of he's got an um, underpant fetish he catches his underpants on a hook as they goes down so he actually doesn't die so uh, Susie Kendall go back into the house with Luke Miranda and they um they sort of share, uh, 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 you know, uh, an embrace, and then the killer comes back with his underpants wedged right up. Now, over yeah, his that's, face. that's an intense wedgie. Yeah, and um, and then runs him through with a pitchfork. Oh, I don't like your ending. 
<laughs> you trying to kill off Susie Kendall? I like the yeah, underpants yeah. element. Well, I thought so that was kind of I thought yeah. that was kind of fun. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that part, but I mean, Susie Kendall dying? Oh no, that's just a sin. Um, uh, Joseph. Hmm. I'd say Susie Kendall was probably a little upset that her voice was dubbed in the American track. So for revenge, she went on to provide her voice talents as Todd Flanders so she could say, I'm a torso. (laughs) Well, you you never know. It might have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I think all of our endings are plausible. I think so. Yes. You know, just it could all happen. Oh, well, absolutely. And on that bombshell... Did you know that Torso is Barbie's favorite film? Because she's a huge fan of Susie Kendall. I like all your name puns, Eric. That's all I can do. He stole he stole the Kendall from me. What? Did you steal Joseph's joke? Yeah. Remember I said Kendall, Kendall from Pieces? Oh, Eric. Eric is the Amy Schumer of the podcast. I didn't steal nothing from no one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you, Eric. Um, So, uh, some more feedback. Well, let's let's say how to get in contact with the show, uh, and then we'll be back uh, after this. The content of this podcast was provided by Justin Kurzweil, Eric Frillfall, Nathan Johnson, and Joseph Henson. If you enjoy our program and are willing and able to provide a donation, please visit us on Patreon and become a content-designated subscriber. That's patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues. For non-subscriber PayPal donations and general feedback, our address is the.hysteria.continues at gmail.com. To listen and interact, simply search for The Hysteria Continues on iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Susie versus Toya forever. Okay, who would like to go first? How much <laughs> feedback got, do you have, Eric? I just have one. I've got two. Okay, so, you go well, first. actually, I could save one for tomorrow. Okay. All right, so uh, you can go ahead first. Okay, this is from John Matthews. He says, uh, Hello, chaps. John here from Down Under. I uh, thought I'd shoot you a quick email. I really enjoyed your recent Freddy vs. Jason episode. I had such vis- vivid memories of the film, and I'm afraid to rewatch it based on your recent reviews. What did you say, Justin? I coughed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, he says, I have, I have such vivid memories of the film, but I'm afraid to rewatch it based on your recent reviews. I will revisit it soon, and yes, I'm sure a rewatch will confirm that it's not as great as I remembered. For example, I seriously had no memory of Kelly Rowland's derogatory language. I think sometimes we become clouded by nostalgia that we remember the movie-going experience more than the film. So I guess that's the question I wanted to bring up. I think you may have covered this on an earlier episode, but has there been certain films that you had great memories of, but upon a recent revisit, it just plain did not hold up? For example, I recently watched Urban Legend Final Cut. Yes, us Aussies are lucky we got just got the whole trilogy on Blu-ray this past month down here, and it just did not hold up well at all. I had such better memories of it in the cinema. Same with Wishmaster 3. Oh my god, what a piece of crap. Yes, it was truly awful, and a slasher film which Wishmaster should not be. 
but once again, I had much better memories seeing it on DVD in the early noughties. But on a side note, I really hope you guys cover more 80s Aussie slashers in the future. Some of my favourites are Coda, Nightmares, Blood Moon and Dangerous Game. It's hide and go shriek, but the Aussie version... Uh, about a crazy cop hunting teens in a department store. So fun. Uh, I know a fair bit on the background of these and would love to contribute in some way if you cover them one day. Anyway, keep up the great work as always. Kind regards from John Matthews. Well, thank you. So, yeah, but we, we probably have that. covered films that we had great memories of that didn't live up to expectation on a, on a recent revisit. Mm. Um, I suppose for me it would be some of the maybe some of the Elm Street sequels which I used to love so much back in the day uh which you know they've, they've, I still I still quite like them but the the their effectiveness has worn off a bit I'm I'm much more of a Friday the 13th man now I would say the same thing for me as mm. well although as we found out in the last episode I I hadn't actually seen Nightmare on Elm Street 4 yeah but <laughs> certainly part 3 doesn't didn't stand up for me in the same way yeah um, in terms of cinema going experience, I remember seeing Scream Two in, this, in a packed crowd and thinking it was brilliant because the audience interaction was was terrific. But uh, again, it's a film I wouldn't be too crazy about watching on on Blu-ray now. Hmm. Nathan, I can't really think of any that you love I, all films. That's why. Yeah, I mean, and what I don't like, I didn't like from the beginning, like you know, Silent mm-hmm. Rage or something like that. I didn't even like that as a kid, so. I I mean, I could kind of see what you guys are saying, even though I still love the Elm Street films. I mean, as an adult, when I watch them, I I love them for their cheesiness. But as a kid, I thought they were scary. So, I mean, I guess that's something. I mean, there's several films I thought were really terrifying as a kid. But as an adult, I'm like, these are actually just silly fun. But, I mean, I do love all the Elm Street films. Even Freddy's Dead. What? Yes, I love Freddy's Dead. You're the person who likes Freddy's Dead. Wow. Yeah, because I went and saw it in the theater, and my parents took me. And um, in in the ending, you got to put on 3D glasses, and the 3D was really cool. And it was my first experience with 3D ever. So I was just enthralled. And those memories I will carry with me for a lifetime. Ironically, that was probably my first experience with 3D in the cinema as well. So um, I did. And I, they did it right, Eric. They, they did. They were did gaudy. It. Yeah, shameless. Yes, it was very shameless 3D. Yeah. It's it's really nice that your parents took you to see that in the theater, Nathan. It's it's yeah. good that they're not selfish relatives. Exactly. But it's probably How dare you make fun of my movie? <laughs> I know that's what you're doing. <laughs> I posted a, a one of the movies I did recently where I'm killing off my whole family and I'm calling them selfish relatives while I'm killing them. <laughs> um, so I know that's what Joseph's doing. Is the shoe rack in that film? I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. The shoe rack is abundantly in this film. It's a six minute long film and the shoe rack <laughs> probably takes up about three minutes of it. And Hazel Tankersley takes up the other three. And Jean yeah. and her sister. All right. <laughs> Y'all in there. It's y'all's turn. <laughs> that was me threatening my grandma and my great aunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's y'all's turn. <laughs> So anyway, like fond memories. I'm sure that wasn't the uh, last time you've been uh, poked in the face in a dark cinema, is it, Nathan? Yeah. Um, Ed, I was poked in the face. What by the 3D? By the 3D. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff was just flying out of the screen. And at the end, when Freddy exploded, um, his head comes flying out of the screen. It was so cool. <laughs> so I remember it being really shit. And I can't. The, the, the only bit I remember being shit was the 
the glove coming out of the screen, it looked like, you know, it looked like eight blades rather than four. But I remember the demons flying out of the screen it was really effective. And uh, somebody was waving a baseball bat at the screen. And I thought that was cool. And somebody sticks a knife out of the screen. Mm. Um, now, remember, I'm only 11 years old watching this. So, I mean, to me, it looked amazing in the theater, but I was only 11. Mm. Well, I, I, I saw that at the, at the cinema and I haven't seen it since. So I'd be interesting to... to um... It's awful. It's really, really bad. Even Rachel Talalay, who directed it, admits it's awful. Okay. Well, I mean, I think it's it's a bad movie, but it's so much fun. It's so entertainingly bad. Excellent. Well, okay. we'll get onto it fairly soon, yes. I'm sure. Yes, yes. What were we talking about? Well, I think Joseph, about, Joseph hasn't given his... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember what the question was now. He's saying um, certain films that you had great memories of, but upon a recent revisit, they just, just did plain not hold up. They just plain did not hold up, even. Oh, um, well, I guess I would say the Elm Street films as well. I mean... When I were, when I was younger, they they were kind of thrilling and kind of spooky. But you know, watching them now, it's like uh, I have a hard time just you know sitting, keeping my interest on the screen. Maybe it could be from oversaturation, or it's just I I realize now that you know not a lot of the films in the Elm Street series are really all that good. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'll just say the Elm Street films. Well, I still love the first two, three. Yeah, the first. First three, three I'd say. Yeah, well, the three, the third one I watched too many times when I was young, and I, I just, I'm bored of it now. And then, so actually, it's kind of your fault. It is not my the fault. movie's fault. <laughs> not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still the only person in the world who doesn't really think New Nightmare is a masterpiece, though. So I, I don't it's think it. it's a masterpiece. I mean, I, I like I it. I think it's meh. Really? Meh. It's one of those ones, to be honest, I saw like years and years ago and really liked, but I don't want to watch it again. But I know we will get to it, but I don't want to because I'm afraid I'm not going to like it as much. Well, t- time will be, well, we'll see, won't we? Yes. When we do get to it. Yes. So, um, right. Who's who's next? Me. It's Nathan. Okay. Okay. This feedback says uh, Mondo Macabro. Macabro? Mondo Macabro? Is that how yes. you say that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it recently announced a Blu-ray of what I consider to be the greatest killer kids film, Who Can Kill a Child? And it made me curious what your favorite killer kids films are. And this is from Brandon Miller. I would say that I really like um, Bloody Birthday, of course. I think it's great. I, I like that recent movie that came out you know, in the 2000s called The Children. I thought mm. it was really good, actually. Um, and I like the eighties, the children with the black fingernails. Oh, that movie's so ridiculous. I love it though. Love, love it. Mommy, daddy. That movie's so silly. <laughs> so I would those say, would probably be some of mine. I would, I would say who can kill a child is my favorite. That one that Mondo Macabro are bringing out. I think it's excellent. It's well, the answer to that question is me. If they're trying to kill me. Because I remember, well, kind of, like, the kids are mean in that movie. They're murderers. They're very mean. They're very And I'm mean. like, I'd slap them so hard, their mama would feel it. <laughs> well, this kind of ties in with the last question. I'd say, well, I wouldn't say now, but maybe Children of the Corn, because I saw that in the theater when it first came out, and I, it scared the hell out of me. But I watched it recently, and my God, it's so silly. Uh, I still like it because it's silly, but... um. Uh, it's some of the effects and the acting is just so dodgy. I was like, wow, I can't believe this movie, you know, back in 1980, 
83 or 84 whenever it came out scared me so much it's just so cheesy mm-hmm. but i do like it it's a killer kids movie as well so excellent well i'm trying to think what the well i um i watched the bad seed uh again recently after screen queens covered it on a recent podcast uh and that's a lot of fun um from 1955 that's kind of like a like a really i imagine it's like a really a really bratty little girl who's kind of um who's always kind of a bit well just really bratty and it reminded me of someone i can't put my finger on it um sally uh yes possibly justin yeah no no, not me uh and of course the other devil's devil times five as well which um is a really good the one with leaf garrett is it Leaf Garrett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a kid in that. It's also yeah. got Boss Hogg from the the Dukes of Hazard Sorrel book, isn't it? Yeah. I like that. It's one. also got a very hysterical cat fight. Mm. I love the scene where the two women get into like it's very soap opera ish. Mm. Was it Kathy's Curse as well? It's kind of got a bit. Of, oh, I like that one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's. I a really lot of fun. love Kathy's Curse, mm. and of course the Omen. The Omen, that's a good one, yeah. I feel like there's some we're forgetting. Eric, well, there's, can you share Well, you, you could think uh, maybe Orphan, but then it mm. doesn't turn out to be a killer kids movie in the end. Ooh, spoiler alert. Mm. Well, there's the, yes. uh, famously, they kind of the village of the damned, isn't there? And mm. uh, Children of the Damned, the the Midwich, Midwich Cuckoo uh, adaptation. Mm. Um, but yeah, okay. I think yes. we've exhausted killer kids movies, but I'm looking forward to um, getting the Blu-ray of Who Could Kill a Child because it is a fantastic movie. There was a remake, wasn't there, set in Mexico, which I did see, which I think was quite forgettable. For, forgettable, um, but uh, the '70s one is, is is fantastic. Yeah, I really yeah I like the the '70s one a lot. Mm. Um, maybe not the ending as much. Yeah, I, I was going to say the, the ending probably wouldn't wouldn't please you at all. Mm. No, because I don't like those kids in that movie. They're mm. terrible. They're little heathens. I'll throw holy water on them. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, um, I've got a, a long one here. Shall I read it out? Present your long one, Justin. Okay. Well, thank you, Dame Johnson. Um, it says, a Greetings, fine gentlemen of Slash. Firstly, I was delighted when Eric finally unearthed my feedback uh, regarding Get Out. I suppose there is still fair and measured reporting in the media, even if some of us are resistant to report the facts at first. Shame, Eric. I'm not entirely sure, but let's see what it's no. carrying. Yeah. Um, no, no, I know, I know that, that um, I was supposed to read that one week and I misplaced it and then it got oh. delayed. Oh, okay. All right, fair enough. Mm. Um, mainly I'm just writing to say how much I appreciate you guys. Recently, I have been working on a project that's taken me to places with very little sales service, and I've been subsisting on roughly 117 episodes of yours that I didn't even, did not even realize were downloaded. I've been having my own unofficial Hysteria Continues Festival, and it's been uncommonly delightful, though I must admit some frustration at all the shit I've deleted to make room for episodes I did not know were downloaded. But hey-ho, uh, it's paying off now. Now, here's my real question, though. Um, I'm still working around to a point. Um, I was reacquainting myself with the Rush Week episode, which includes an interview with uh, Deborah Sue Voorhees, mostly about a rom-com she had directed around that time. Eric preceded the interview by announcing he'd done a different interview with her, specifically about A New Beginning. But when I came around to the episode, also mercifully downloaded, there was no interview which to hear. 
what is your game, buddy? Burying emails is one thing, but now I see it's been going on for years, lying to your fans, suppressing information you don't agree with, all to protect your storied uh, broadcasting career. You've brought shame upon your family, Eric, but I surmise it wouldn't mm. be the first time you've done so. <laughs> so he carries on and says, seriously, though, all joking aside, what happened to that interview? Is it possible for us to ever hear it? Aside from that, I highly recommend you guys check out Unsane, a delightfully lurid thriller that has become a full-on slasher in the second half, directed by Steven Sonenberg, no less, and Mother from last year. is surely the most inspired and fucking bananas movie I've seen in a very long time. Best to you guys, Declan Gallagher. What? Sorry, no, it's just, I, was, I was resting my iPad on the uh, keyboard. <laughs> I was wondering, I've done the joke of the week. <laughs> oh, you got to do another one. you got to do that one now. Uh, so, Eric, <laughs> what, how do you respond to Declan's? I, I, like, I, did, I did interview Debbie C. Voorhees. I don't remember the specifics of it. All I remember is her being a bit uh, difficult to get information out of. She just wants to talk about um, airport security a lot. Um, so I don't know what happened to that interview. It might be somewhere on my MacBook um, I thought I would have assumed we would have put, we've, if she, she had something to say about a new beginning, we would have put it out. Mm. But obviously, we didn't on the episode. Well, maybe you could uh, have a hunt around. We could also put it out as a Patreon extra, couldn't we? Yeah, if you do find we could. it. Yeah. So, um, excellent. Well, thank you, Declan. And God, 117 episodes of us wittering away. That would drive anyone insane. But I'm glad we're keeping you in company. So, anything? Any more feedback? I mean, I have Ooh. one more, but I'm going to save oh, gonna it keep for it, tomorrow. Keep it for that tomorrow. way I got something for the end. Yes. Well, because we're recording tomorrow again, so we're stacking up um, uh, episodes for you guys. So um, is there anything left to say? I guess I should announce what we're covering next. Yeah, okay. All right. We're headed over to a sorority for a sorority house massacre with one of the most cheerful final girls of all time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't want to get into Sorority House Massacre till we actually are talking about it, but I just wanted to say right quick, like, how do all her friends put up with her? I mean, she's just such a Debbie Downer. I'm like, you're bringing us down, well, and we're trying to strip well, naked and try on clothes. I cannot wait to discuss that that talking point. Yeah, and also, I wonder if she's inspired um, the new Michael Myers um, the Halloween uh, poster. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely. So, anyway, well, join us next time on Hysteria Continues to hear all about. Um, uh, well, we're actually going to be discussing the extended cut, the English VHS cut as well, which has even more yeah. dialogue about talking about uh, swapping clothes and trying on shoes and hair and hair and hair. Yeah, uh, transition phases. Yeah. yeah. So and shoe bread and what? Chew bread. Chew bread. I don't remember that. Chew bread. You know, we have to watch it now and discover the exciting chew bread scene. Mm. Chew I did bread, watch it. you got to chew yesterday. it up. Okay. It's not what Indians, Indians used to do or something. It's not when they're putting up the TP. Anyway, we'll discuss this tomorrow. Okay, yes. yes. Okay. And um, will the next Patreon pick be up by this point, Joseph? I'm trying to think when this is going to be. Can you think yes. ahead? Yes, while... While Torso is actually on the air for everyone, Evils of the Night will have already been released. So, mm. Okay, and our next Patreon pick is going to be, which will be for May, would it, or June? It'll be for May. May is going to be um, more up-to-date. It's the Greasy Strangler. 
so we're discussing mm. that so for all you disco cuties out there so if you would like to hear our exclusive um, uh, episodes on non-slasher horror kind of cult movies, then head over Patreon and pledge your support. And we're very glad and very happy and very thankful for all the people out there who already have done that. So we very much appreciate it. Um, so, um, yeah, well, thank you for listening to this episode on Sergio Martino's Torso. And we'll catch you next time at the Sorority House Massacre. So say goodbye to the good people. Ooh. Bye. Goodbye, goodbye, all you dolls. Uh, Italian, this is me saying goodbye in Italian. Oh, what are we playing out with? We are Plumage. playing out with uh, the music from a Torso. It's uh, some of the main theme of music from Torso. <laughs> it's a bit they racist. have like rock songs in Torso. No, it's more like score from Torso. <laughs> you don't sound Italian to in, me. In Soviet Russia, Torso, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Torso is you. Like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you guys would hear it all, and you might think poorly of me for doing... Uh, well, you do realize Justin's recording all of this. Yeah. Oh, my, Justin... My, well, now my, my admission that I downloaded the appointment doesn't seem so bad. This is a nightmare. On Elm Street. Well, you so, disco cutie. <laughs> Go on, Justin, Justin you always accents. say you can't do accents. I can't do accents. What are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I need you to do an American Southern accent. Hello, y'all. How you doing? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is, that, oh. is that not a southern accent? No, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs>